0: Welcome
1: to Liberty Lockdown, please scan your barcode Your liberty ain't gone, but yeah, it's on hold Where did it come from and where did it go? Welcome ladies and gentlemen to another episode of Liberty Lockdown This is Clint Russell Have you scanned your barcode today? Oh, I sure hope you didn't Thank you for tuning in once again As you can tell, because I am getting some support from you guys I went out and I got a brand new camera, I got some new lighting uh, I hope you like it I also got some new art, and I wanted to to thank the gentleman who donated to the show, that is at Pardon Will Art on Twitter. You can check out his work over at Pardon Will That's pardon, like uh, pardon from a crime. Will Check him out. Really appreciate the donation. Got the Statue of Liberty with a porcupine on it. Let's go. Let's go. And speaking of let's going, uh, looks like. Next week, I will have on Seyfedin Amos. I believe that's how you pronounce it. I hope I'm getting that right. I respect the hell out of that guy, but I've only ever read his name. Um, He is a brilliant Bitcoin mind, and I think that will be a fantastic interview. And then later on this month, James Lindsay and Adam Curry. I am still scheduling with both of them, so hopefully that'll pan out. Another stacked month, another stacked couple of episodes for you guys, and I hope you enjoy them. Thank you guys as always for supporting the show LibertyLockdown.Locals.com If you want to support the work or become a subscriber Over on X.com, got 20 slots left 20 slots that I'm going to follow back Over on X.com if you want to support my work Uh, Five bucks a month to subscribe over there Thank you guys as always And let's get into the show We got uh, Donald Trump Donald Trump, Donald J. Trump Oh yes, tremendous And he is Giving us some uh, Let's just be honest, he's giving us some some uh, dialogue that I've been asking for for a very long time. So let's give them some credit, but uh, I've got some things to say about it. Here we go.
2: The left wing lunatics are trying very hard to bring back COVID lockdowns and mandates with all of their sudden fear mongering about the new variants that are coming. Gee whiz, you know what else is coming? An election. They want to restart the COVID hysteria so they can justify more lockdowns, more censorship, more illegal drop boxes, more mail-in ballots, and trillions of dollars in payoffs to their political allies heading into the 2024 election. Does that sound familiar? These are bad people. These are sick people we're dealing with. (laughs) But to every COVID tyrant who wants to take away our freedom, hear these words, we will not comply. So don't even think about it. We will not shut down our schools. We will not accept your lockdowns. We will not abide by your mask mandates and we will not tolerate your vaccine mandates. They rigged the 2020 election, and now they're trying to do the same thing all over again by rigging the most important election in the history of our country, the 2024 election. Even if it means trying to bring back COVID, but they will fail because we will not let it happen. When I'm back in the White House, I will use every available authority to cut federal funding to any school, college, airline, or public transportation system that imposes a mask mandate or a vaccine mandate.
1: Thank you very much. Well, let's start by saying awesome. Appreciate it. You were the president in 2020, bro. Where were you? Where was that? Where was the rhetoric about uh you know these tyrants do not comply i literally had a dozen 25 50 rants in the year 2020 imploring people not to comply imploring, begging begging them not to comply and you were up there encouraging them to comply breaking my breaking my heart here don a lot of people are going to say well clint he figured it out okay cut him some slack better late than never all right, all right, I hear you. But before you get too, uh, in too much of a forgiving mood, let's hear what Donald Trump had to say in the year 2020. And you can decide if you would like to be as forgiving as you're feeling in this present moment.
2: We did the right thing. We closed the country down. I could have kept it open. And I could have done what some countries are doing.
1: I had to shut it down and we
2: did the right thing. I thought of keeping it open. And we did just the right thing. We closed it down. And a group of very smart people walk in and say, Sir, we have to close it. And we did the right thing. They can't do anything without the approval of the President of the United States. Even the Democrats aren't blaming me for that. We had to close it up. Some people wish we never closed it down. We did the right thing. We closed it. It's a decision for the President of the United States. I mean, we did the right thing, we had to close it up. Because nobody's ever heard of closing down a country, let alone the United States of America. We had to turn off the airlines. We had to turn off everything. And we did the right thing. A lot of people have thought about it. Write it out. Don't do anything. Just write it out and think of it as the flu. But it's not the flu. It's vicious. We basically shut down our country. We did the right thing. We had to close it down. The President of the United States calls the shots and we had to close it down we did the right thing they're not working in offices they're not in airplanes together and we did close up we had to close it up and we did the right thing we closed it down we did the right thing we closed it up we were told to got to shut it down stop it tell everyone to stay home because of this horrible virus and we did that we had to artificially close our country we've done this right and we, we really we really have done this right that so we did the right thing. everything we did was right
1: <laughs> I know I know I got a lot of Trump supporters watching right now that are furious with me but you shouldn't be mad at me you should be mad at that guy for for not apologizing. see that's the thing. I'm a super forgiving person super forgiving you have no idea I know I come across as a very vicious individual it's just because I never get any fucking apologies I never get any apologies for destroying the global economy for destroying the the minds of children millions and millions and millions of children destroyed by that decision making process destroyed by it all I want all I ask for is a little reflection. Just a smidge. Just a tinge of reflection on your decision making processes during that period. But can I get it though? No. All I can get is a forward looking declaratory. Do not comply. We will not listen to these tyrants. Well, if they're if they're tyrants moving forward, what were you in 2020, Don? Tell me. Why is it any different? Allegedly, it's a new variant. It's more dangerous and blah, blah, blah. And they they propose more lockdowns. Okay. Why are they more of a tyrant than you were in that period when you did the right thing when you shut it down? Why? Why is it any different? It's not. There's a logical incongruency there that you can't get past. And Many of his followers are so, or, or his supporters are just so in the bag for this guy, they're going to accept it at face value and go, well, he's saying the right thing now. That's what matters. I don't care about what he did in 2020. Okay, that's your decision to make. And I get it to a certain extent. But, but, don't pretend as if 2020 didn't happen. Don't pretend as if he didn't take credit repeatedly for the lockdowns themselves because he did and he described it repeatedly in hindsight as the right thing to do in hindsight also in the moment i might add and all the way up until today he still doesn't change that perspective if you're good with that cool i'm not really good with that it bothers me a lot i'll get to some points that you'll like later so hang in there hang in there with me but first, a little bit more of Don saying craziness. They
0: have to get the shot.
1: The vaccinations are so important. This is really going
2: around now. They have to get their shot. Today, we're on the verge of another American medical miracle. This is one of the greatest miracles in the history of modern day medicine. Pfizer and Moderna have announced their vaccine is approximately 95% effective these vaccines are also very safe a medical miracle we have delivered a safe and effective vaccine in just nine months what we've done is historic don't let them take away don't take it away from ourselves you're playing that you're playing right into their hands when you sort of like oh the vaccine if you don't want to take it you shouldn't be forced to take it no mandates but take credit because we saved Tens of millions of lives. Both the president and I are vaxxed. And uh, did you get the booster? Yes. I got it too. Okay. So. um, Don't 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 don't. don't, don't. Some friends of mine. They wanted to say. I said, don't come tonight. Let's go another time. It's pouring. Woody Johnson, a great gentleman. You ever hear of Johnson and Johnson? He owns the place. I tell you what. This guy's got cash like nobody's got cash. (laughs) Johnson and Johnson. I came up with a vaccine. With three vaccines. Mm -hmm all are very very good the vaccine is one of the greatest achievements of mankind and if you take the vaccine you're protected look the results of the vaccine are very good and if you do get it it's a very minor form people aren't dying when they take the vaccine i recommend taking the vaccines i did it it's good take the vaccines but you got no that's okay that's all right you got your freedoms but i happen to take the vaccine if it doesn't work, you'll be the first to know.
1: <laughs> you'll be the first to know. Yeah, well, we know, Don. We know. We know, buddy. It's so fascinating how he tries to play both sides of these things. And there, that of all of that, those minutes of highlights of him saying things that I don't like, the thing that bothers me by far the most And if you're a libertarian, you already know what I'm going to say. You have your freedoms. Yeah, 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 you have your freedoms. But I took it. I took it. So there is no yeah, 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 we have our freedoms. We are free. We are free. You never had the right or, for that matter, the ability to force me to do any of that. None of it. And more and more people are waking up to that fact. Thank God. Not a moment too soon, but man, five minutes, five minutes of highlights of this guy, not just espousing how the lockdowns were the right thing to do and how we had to lock it down and that the governors couldn't do anything without his approval. He said that repeatedly, even though he's wrong. But then also two straight minutes of highlights of him going, oh, the vaccine was so good. It was a modern miracle. Does it feel like a miracle? Does it feel like a miracle today? Have you looked at the excess mortality rates? Have you? I can't, I can't really talk about them, so I won't. But I'll encourage you to go do it yourself. Look at the excess mortality rates. Look at, look at what it looks like this year versus the height of the pandemic. Pre versus post vaccine rollout. Do, do your own assessments. Talk to your own doctors. Figure out if it's right for you, as they say. But man, is that frustrating. And what's really bizarre about this is that it puts me in such a terrible position. Because Joe Biden is a disaster of the highest order. I would say it's fair to describe him as the worst president in my lifetime. And with the potential... At least his administration, because I don't really perceive him as being the president. But this administration, in terms of weaponizing the Department of Justice, weaponizing the FBI, the CIA, fomenting World War III, potential for nuclear war, potential for future lockdowns, spending out of control, inflation out of control. Uh, I mean, the list goes on and on, right? Oh, on top of that, he's described the the MAGA supporters as... Potential domestic terrorists The fact that on day one of his presidency He categorized people that have Betsy Ross flags Or ANCAPs like myself Or libertarians Or uh, The list goes on and on He just des- They described them And they directed the FBI To categorize them as potential Domestic violent extremists My people Good people Peaceful people I don't appreciate that so do you know how hard it is for me to say what I'm about to say? I'm still thinking about supporting Donald Trump moving forward. Do you know how crazy that is? That's how fucking crazy and dangerous the Biden administration has become. That there is, if if I'm presented with these two choices, which I know, lesser of two evils, yada, yada, yada. But we are to a point where <laughs> And I know they always say, this is the most important election of our lifetime. Donald Trump says the most important election in American history, blah, blah, blah. But in some ways, in some ways, that's a fair statement. Because what does it actually reflect? It reflects on the ever-increasing size of the state. Not so much on the candidates. Not so much on your life circumstances either. But because the state is so enormous... So unbelievably astronomically large that if you lose, which I always lose because I'm a libertarian, but if you lose that election, you then have the weight, the power of an $8 trillion annual spending behemoth that can be turned against you and your people and your families and your children and your employment and your savings and your retirement and everything else, not to mention wars, it's... Catastrophic. So it's not a reflection on Donald Trump versus Joe Biden as much as it is, yes, this is the most important election, because the government is so fucking enormous. So it matters more. Should it matter this much? It shouldn't matter at all. It shouldn't exist. And if it does exist, it should be extremely, extremely small. But it's not small. It's like, what is that? Over a third of our GDP annually? In terms of spending i mean most of its taxes but there's a big chunk of that's borrowing it's enormous it's enormous so when they say that it's not really wrong people go oh that's not true they say that every four years it is true because the government continues to grow every year so it matters more to your day-to-day life i wish it weren't the case but it is and because of that Because the Biden administration is such an existential threat to me, to my life, to my family, to the people I care about. It is a really, really hard and serious decision I have to make. And yes, it's one vote. And yes, it doesn't really change things because one vote won't change an election. But in terms of the collective, it's a very challenging decision that we, me, you, the 20,000 or so that are going to watch or listen to this, it's a tough decision to make because 20,000 votes is enough to swing some of these states that might actually make the difference in the election not to say that I'm going to change the outcome but I'm just saying collectively it's a really really big deal and that's where we're at we're we're in a position so I got to get my camera to refocus we're in a position where if the Biden Administration or Gavin Newsom Or just basically the Democrats If they are to prevail in 2024 After, this is the other Factor that has to be really deeply considered They are They've attempted to soft Coup Donald Trump They concocted evidence to try and go after him Right, we already know this I'm not going to cover all of it in detail But they did, with Russiagate The obfuscation of Hunter Biden's laptop The complete bearing of IRS whistleblower and the, um, I think it was FBI whistleblower uh, that came out about the Hunter Biden investigation and the Joe Biden investigation, all of these things have been buried. We know that based off of actual whistleblowers in our government that said, they're not going after this guy the same way they went after Trump. And and FYI, the way they went after Trump was a coup because he didn't do the things that they accused him of and they planted and created much of the evidence to do so. And then the phone call in Ukraine. And then January 6th. I mean, the list goes on and on. But then on top of that, now they now they w- whether you believe the 2020 election was legitimate or not, which as I've said many times, I'm still up in the air on. But because he went to challenge it and he asked his attorneys to go after legal remedies. Quote. I mean, it was he said use the what what legal avenues do we have to go after this? They are now pursuing him in four separate states For both January 6th as well as the election stuff As well as the classified documents at Mar-a-Lago Which, by the way, Biden also had classified documents in Delaware um, And elsewhere All of these things And they're trying to get him off of the ballot using the 4th, 14th Amendment They're trying to remove a guy who is far and away, and it's not close at all, far and away, the number one competitor for the White House in 2024. It's not close. Now, we're very far away, but as of now, it ain't close. He is miles ahead of Avake, miles ahead of DeSantis, and then all of the other neocon peasants that no one cares about anymore. Thank God. Thank God no one cares about those people anymore. But... Number one competitor Even if you don't believe that Biden will be the next candidate for the Democrats Which I think is a distinct possibility Because his brain is literally malfunctioning on the regular He's like blue screen to death Like he ain't he ain't there But say it's Gavin Newsom Whatever Whoever it is on the Democrat side Okay And then you have Donald Trump Far and away the favorite And they're trying to put him in prison for 700 plus years 700 plus I don't like Donald Trump I don't like him at all he destroyed the global economy by allowing Fauci and Burks and these other lunatics to lock us down. And then he bragged about it. And he and he made all of the worst pharma companies on earth extraordinarily wealthy during that period. Mandating a product, uh, he didn't mandate it, but it ended up being, right? Based off of Operation Warp Speed and his whole his whole thing which he brags about, which led to this, which led to the mandates, which led to the insanity. He brags about all that. He spent like a lunatic in 2020. He, he browbeat Powell and said, I want interest rates lower when they should have been hiking them. He did everything wrong in 2020, everything. And he's still the best option in terms of viable candidates. How fucking crazy is that? How crazy is that? <laughs> From a libertarian perspective, he was a disaster in 2020. One of the worst decisions, one of the worst years in American history. And that's not overstating it. It was a catastrophe. And I'm still considering because I just want a fucking wrecking ball to fly through this entire system. I'm still saying to myself, Jesus Christ, maybe, maybe. This is the sticks, hex, sticks uh, six and hammer uh you know, thesis that I debated with him and or I moderated with the debate against Dave Smith a year ago, basically like a year ago today. It's so frustrating. It's so frustrating to think that this might be the best option. Jesus Christ. Can we do better, people? Can we do better? But here's the, here's the sad reality of it. The MAGA crowd, they aren't going away from him. I don't want them to go away, by the way. I like most of them. But I'm saying they're not going to go away from supporting Donald Trump. Like, if he is taken off the ballot, they're going to write his ass in. They're going to hand write Donald Trump. Like, these people are super ride or die committed to this guy. There is no political figure in my lifetime aside from Ron Paul who had that kind of passionate supporters. And I believe that. I believe that strongly, that that there is no gop nominee if if someone by some miracle wins it or if donald trump is removed through lawfare there is no gop nominee that i think can beat the democrat side simply because so many of the maga supporters will just not vote for them like these people are committed to that path so it's essentially whatever disastrous option the democrats present us and then donald trump that's what it's going to be I'm telling you right now If I'm wrong, I'll eat my words But I, I would bet a lot of money It's going to be Donald Trump Probably removed from a handful of ballots Or a handful of different states' ballots Versus Newsom or Michelle Obama Or whoever, whatever disastrous human being They put up on the Democrat side And we don't even know who the libertarian candidate's going to be at this point There's like a dozen people running And as we all know We'd be fortunate, extraordinarily fortunate, just to get 5% of the vote. And for the record, that's what they intend to do. That's 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 what the Libertarian Party, I know for a fact, they are going to be trying to get 5% of the vote. Not win, but get 5%. Let me explain very briefly why. And this matters, and this is why, at the end of the day, I may end up casting a vote for the Libertarian candidate, regardless, is that if you get 5% of the vote, which, based off of the tallies from 2020 would probably be 7 to 8 million total votes for the libertarian presidential nominee. If you get 5%, you get major party status in America. You get invited to the debate stage, the national debate stage against the Democrat and the Republican, and I th- I believe you also get campaign like funding assistance or some something like that. I'd have to look up the details to remember that part, but it would break the it would break the duopoly. And that's a compelling argument on the side of Going against Trump, for sure So I'm not, I'm not telling you what to do I'm not even saying I've made up my mind I just wanted to basically vent as to the The thought process that I'm going through right now Because it's like I shouldn't care this much, but it matters a lot It matters a lot It really does And I just don't know what the answer is If you guys have a, have a thesis, and Vivek, I like a lot too But he's, he's gonna be debating my boy, uh, or, uh Interviewed by my boy anomaly on Tuesday, so tomorrow and I can't wait I cannot wait for that interview because anomaly was burned badly by Donald Trump and he he smells a snake in wake. sorry me to rhyme and he's gonna go very hard at him so I cannot wait to watch that i'll uh, I'll give you guys actually anomaly's gonna come on later this week after that interview so we can talk about it. so stay tuned for that. it's gonna be great uh, but man. Like if he ain't the real deal Then we're really out of options (laughs) In terms of like people who are actually going to win the presidency So obviously local action, state action You know Everything you can do in your own individual power Is what you ought to be focusing on Because I think that we are in a seriously dire position On the federal level But anyways the the reason I, I don't think I've made this explicit yet The reason I'm considering Trump so much Is because it's like Well, if, say, say they do all of this to Donald Trump, eight, at that that point, it'll be eight straight years of lying to the American people about who he is, what his policies are, and trying to remove him from power or keep him from power steady for eight years. Number one, for someone like me, that's compelling. That makes me go, why the fuck is this guy such a problem for them? Because I want a problem for them. So maybe I should support that guy. But then what that guy does, I don't like. So should I support him? Very confusing, right? But then the, the broader picture, the bigger picture that matters a lot is if they are successful in removing him as an option, when he did receive over 70 million votes just three years ago, that's like basically half of the electorate, right? That want this guy to represent them. And they go, you don't have that option. Well, then the entire veneer of a democratic process is gone and it will never be recovered. The Republicans will never, ever trust in this system again, ever. And then it gets really ugly. So from my vantage point, I'm like, well, do I want that? Do I go the collapsitarian route or do I go? I don't really want everything to fall apart and become violent. So I'm going to try and get this dude in there so that he can wreck things. I don't know. I don't know what the answer is. But if they prevail, then forget about the Libertarian Party at that point. Any political dissident is going to be treated the same. This dude has 70 million supporters. They're going to do it to him, and you think they're not going to do it to smaller parties? You think they're not going to do it to individuals that aren't super wealthy, that aren't world famous, that don't have a crazy support network? Like He is so symbolic of what they're willing to do to crush dissent and dissidents. And I am a dissenting dissident. That's scary. <laughs> that is scary. So, puts a lot of variables on the table that I have to consider. And I hope you're considering them too. Anyways, comment down below. Tell me what you guys think about it, because I really, I'm, as you can tell, I'm struggling with this decision. I don't know what I'm going to do ultimately. But I'm curious to hear what you guys think uh, if it's going to be Trump versus whoever on the Democrat side, what are you going to do? Vote Libertarian, vote Trump, abstain, support, vote for Biden, and just hope that everything falls apart faster? I don't know what the answer is, man. It's tough. All right, let's get into some other stuff. Speaking of the current White House occupant, we've got a little update on Victor Shokin, the prosecutor who was fired in Ukraine Let's hear what they have to say about that decision-making process and Joe Biden's involvement. Do you believe that Joe Biden or Hunter Biden got
3: bribes? I do not want to deal in unproven facts. But my firm personal conviction is that, yes, this was the case. They were being bribed. The fact that Joe Biden gave away $1 billion in uh, US money in exchange for my dismissal my firing isn't that alone a case of corruption
1: for the record that is true that is what happened don't get it twisted but uh we've got a little bit more supporting evidence so i will present that to you before i give you my commentary
4: Biden and leftist media claim Shokin was corrupt and inept and had to be dismissed, despite the fact that not a single charge of corruption has ever been raised or proven against Shokin to date. To this, Shokin shrugs. Shokin says, "People don't have to believe him. Just look at the transcripts. Biden's transcripts, that is."
5: Yeah, which you're not. The transcripts of Biden's telephone
4: conversations with Poroshenko, says Shokin, is where the truth will show itself. Americans must demand it. And if they do, they will see, broad as day, Joe Biden was illegally influencing foreign officials in order to protect his son, Hunter, and shield illegal money laundering activities. One American news verified on camera what Shokin has stated for months, when he issued a stunning 12-page sworn affidavit to an Austrian court stating how Joe Biden was directly involved in interfering with active cases under investigation. For more... Be- Look,
1: I think I've made the case a dozen times as to how how transparent all this corruption is, but let's uh, let's keep presenting additional evidence... See if I can convince you guys. I'm sure many of you are already convinced, but
6: not only do we expect to find more filthy foreign bribes snaking their way into Biden family bank accounts, the entire Biden Ukraine cover story is collapsing. It turns out the Obama administration didn't want Biden to fire the Ukrainian prosecutor. <laughs> the Obama administration told prosecutor Viktor Shokin, he made good progress in fighting corruption, and the billion-dollar loan was on its way. Even the State Department's top point person on Ukraine, Victoria Nuland, told Shokin this, we've been impressed with the ambitious reform and anti-corruption agenda of your government.
1: But Biden went rogue. That was June of 2015. Keep in mind that it was 2014 that Hunter Biden was hired by Burisma. Or maybe it was, I think it was actually right, right before June 2015. So, ooh, that timing. Ooh, that chronology, folks. Call me... Poirot, call me. Uh, <laughs> I'm trying to think of other famous
6: detectives. Hogan fired Shokin after his son asked him to. His son was being paid handsomely and was sharing the money with the Biden family. And now the fired prosecutor Victor Shokin speaking out. He spoke to Brian Kilmeade and told him Joe Biden was likely bribed by BURISMA. Watch.
7: We're, we're, we're.
6: The White House has been caught lying about this. Says that guy's lying. BUT THE FIRED PROSECUTOR ALSO SAID THAT IF IT WASN'T FOR JOE BIDEN, UKRAINE PROBABLY WOULDN'T BE AT WAR WITH RUSSIA TODAY.
3: THERE IS NO DOUBT, doubt THAT uh, HIS ACTIONS HAVE uh, DAMAGED THE U.S. REPUTATION IN UKRAINE. IT IS PUBLIC KNOWLEDGE. Uh, EVERYBODY KNOWS THAT It was because of uh, Joe Biden's actions that uh, Russia was able to claim Crimea without firing a single shot, uh, which, of course, eventually led to a full-scale war that is currently uh, underway. It looks like the Biden
6: family's greed and corruption triggered not only a bogus impeachment, but a deadly war. Representative Nancy Mace. SOUTH CAROLINA CONGRESSWOMAN JOINS ME NOW. SO YOU'VE SEEN NOW Shokin TALK. ARE YOU GUYS GOING TO BRING HIM IN AND TALK TO HIM? AND WHERE DOES THIS LEAD TOWARDS IMPEACHMENT INQUIRY?
8: I would love to bring any witness into the oversight committee in our investigation when we come back into session in September and I have to tell you Jesse article 2 section 4 of the constitution bribery is one of the bases for impeachment in this country and those bank records and those witnesses uh, they know where the bodies are buried and that those bank records and witnesses will be the nail in the coffin for Joe Biden because if he did nothing wrong why lie about it if he did nothing wrong why use a pseudonym if he did nothing wrong why is there millions and millions of UNS2, US, TOOLS, from Ukraine, from Burisma, from Communist China, AND, THE, and their bank accounts. And quite frankly, I think it was Barack Obama who said, do not underestimate Joe Biden's ability to F things up. And he's really done it this time.
6: Sure has. So where do you stand with these subpoenas? I, you know, you're looking into some offshore accounts that they've been hiding. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you've looked into Joe Biden's personal checking account. There's the Wilmington Trust account, which looked like a piggy bank for the family. Where do we stand?
8: Well, we need to bring, we need to get all those bank records. It's one thing to see the suspicious activity reports, and we're talking about a staggering amount of money. It'll be north of $50 million when it's it's all said and done, Mm -hmm. but we have to have those physical bank records in hand. There are a lot of foreign banks involved that cost money. It takes time. We have to engage those banks to get those, but those will be the nail in the coffin in this investigation if we can prove the bribery that all of the other witnesses are alleging.
1: I've already made the case, so I'll spare you the uh, classic Clint rant on this topic. I just think that, you know, I'm going to take a little victory lap. I was early on this. Uh, I've been covering this for quite some time now. And my assessments as to not just the corruption, because that's kind of to be expected from our political class, but rather, and I think the more glaring and important revelation in that is that Victor Shokin... The prosecutor who was fired at the explicit, uh, expressed request, demand, extortion of the Ukrainian government to fire Viktor Shokin. He believes that this war in Ukraine wouldn't be happening if not for Biden's corruption. Which is exactly what I've said repeatedly most of this year. That it's not just the fact that he, his family has profited by to the tune of tens of millions of dollars from his corruption, which is reprehensible and ultimately impeachable in its own right. But the fact that tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands of lives have been lost in Ukraine and Russian troops as well because of this, and we risk a hot war with the largest nuclear power on earth because of Joe Biden's corruption, that, that is the reason I believe more than anything more than his dementia or whatever mental issues he's having is why he will not be the candidate in 2024 i really really strongly believe that i think the democrats know that he has served his purpose and he has got to go this guy this guy has way way too much baggage at this point and it's hilarious because he wasn't ever really their preferred candidate In my opinion, I don't think they really, really wanted Joe Biden. He was kind of like... They just had such a shallow bench that they're like, who's the only company man that the American people look to? And they say, that guy was... You know, he kind of... Like, he brings up memories of Barack Obama, so we're just going to run his ass. And he got in there. Somehow. Wink. Uh, So, I don't think he's going to be the candidate. I really don't. And... Let's just hope that uh, his corruption doesn't lead to even worse consequences in terms of uh, World War III. This is a fascinating conversation between a journalist who's being questioned about Biden's corruption. And I, just to show you, this guy works for The Washington Post. And this is so such a great kind of microcosm of the corporate news's approach to Biden's corruption. It is despicable
6: do you Come on. T- what do you take from the text message to his adult daughter uh h- hundred text messages that i have to get 50 percent of my income to pop i have no idea what that means i don't i have no idea what that means well, it's. it's-
1: <laughs> <laughs> you're a journalist bruh if you don't know what it means how about your journalism about it huh he texts, oh, come on, man. I have to give 50% of my income to Pop. <laughs> I don't know what that means. It's, 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 I know. It's circumstantial evidence, and you prefer that. No, to what, what,
0: what
6: could it be? I, mean? I have no idea. But doesn't it, I don't know. Well, did, I appreciate I, your has I appreciate anybody your Has anybody me, asked her? I, I don't know. I don't know. Don't you think somebody should ask her? Okay. Like, I, I'm not, I just said I don't know, and I don't know what to make of it, so I have nothing yeah, but, to say you, about it. Yeah, what but do what you want to say? Yeah, but you say there's no evidence, no evidence, but then there's a text message where he says, I give Pop 50% of my money. That's that's evidence. Okay. Well, what? Do you, okay, fine. Fine. It's so evidence. I appreciate you having me on. It doesn't it, – something like that? Who do you think is the more – I, I listen to that and I'm saying – okay, I, I, okay, You can I go. Think, I feel you want me to leave, like just walk out in the middle of this because that go. way you can – like You can go. All right. Is this a standard really – this is the way the Washington Post handles people who disagree yeah, with I, when them? when I agree to be on for 45 minutes go, go, and then I get on for an hour and 15, yeah, go, that after a while go, I go. go.
1: Thanks for having me. Jesus Christ. So – just to clarify, that is, uh, what's his name, Philip Bump. He's the national columnist for the Washington Post, and the author of *The Aftermath*. Oh, and he's also New York Times editor's pick uh, for an author. My God, man! I mean, like as much as as much animosity as the corporate news journos get, it ain't enough. It ain't enough. That is crazy to me. That is crazy. Like, just imagine for a second if it was Kushner or uh Donald Trump Jr. who was saying, I gotta give, you know, and, and he's he's racking in tens of millions based off of business deals, and he's gotta give half of it to to pop. And you ask that same that same exact journalist, what does that mean? What conclusion do you think he'd come to? You know you go, Donald Trump's corrupt and he should be impeached. <laughs> it'd, be, it'd be knee-jerk. It'd be instantaneous. See, this is, what, this is what makes libertarians unique and special, in my opinion, is that we feel that way no matter who the fuck it is. We don't care. We actually care about the Constitution and the American people, and we don't really care at all about your partisan heroes and your deities. We just want the corrupt to go away. We want them to be either thrown in jail or thrown out of office, preferably both, but you just can't continue to rule over us if you're so transparently corrupt and evil. But these people, my god, when it comes down to their guy, Joe Biden, blinders are on. They won't even they won't even lift a finger to get to the truth. It is truly it's a sickness. It really is. All right. I got an article from Nature, which uh, usually I don't read scientific articles, but this one was interesting, and I just want to kind of show you guys how I dissect these things when I'm reading them. I thought you would find it interesting. So today's episode of Liberty Lockdown is brought to you by a brand new sponsor, and we are thrilled to have them, Masterworks. If you've been trying to invest in this environment, you already know how crazy it is. Inflationary pressures, it's just nuts. The volatility is out of control. UBS shows that private assets like fine art can help diversify with a low correlation of stocks. Bloomberg reports art prices increased in 2022, highest total sales ever for major auction houses. In 23, the art market has passed its pre-pandemic level. Tens of thousands of everyday investors already use today's sponsor, Masterworks, to invest in art. You don't need millions of dollars or art expertise. Every Masterworks sale to date has delivered a positive return to their investors. That's incredible. Including annualized net returns of 10, 17, and even 35% all this year. Masterworks' most recent exit was just days ago at the end of August for a double-digit 13.4% annualized net return. My listeners get special access to skip the wait list. You just have to go to lockdown. Past performance does not guarantee future returns. Any investing involves risk, including loss of principal. You can see the disclosures over at masterworks.com/slash CD. Again, that's masterworks.art/slash lockdown. Masterworks.art/slash lockdown. Check it out. It might be right for you. If it is, if it's an inflation hedge that works for you, great. Masterworks.art/slash lockdown. Let's get back into the show. It's from nature.com. Degrowth can work. Here's how science can help. Wealthy countries can create prosperity while using less materials and energy if they abandon economic growth as an objective. (laughs) Oh, we just have to abandon economic growth. Oh, no human suffering will come from that. The global economy is structured around growth. The idea that firms, industries, and nations must increase production every year, regardless of whether it is needed. This dynamic is driving climate change and ecological breakdown. High-income economies and the corporations and wealthy classes that dominate them are mainly responsible for this problem and consume energy and materials at unsustainable rates. That is a lie. That's not true. It is not true that the majority of well I mean maybe the resources are utilized by those productive entities and those productive nations but in terms of pollution in truth in truth it's actually the less developed nations that that pollute more on a per capita basis but I guess facts don't matter yet many industrialized countries are now struggling to grow their economies given economic convulsions caused by the COVID-19 pandemic actually no it wasn't the pandemic it was the lockdowns but we'll set that aside Uh, russia's invasion of ukraine resource scarcities and stagnating productivity improvements governments face a difficult situation (laughs) all of which was created by government but i digress uh continuing on their attempts to stimulate growth clash with objectives to improve human well-being and reduce environmental damage fascinating that uh their attempts to stimulate growth is some, somehow in conflict with improving in, in human well-being. Completely wrong. Uh, researchers in ecological economics call for a different approach. Degrowth. Wealthy economies should abandon growth of gross domestic product as a goal, scaled down destructive and uh, unnecessary forms of production, to reduce energy and material use and focus economic activity around securing human needs and well-being. Oh, just a technocratic top-down approach that will certainly not end in starvation and genocide. Continuing on. This approach, which has gained traction in recent years, can enable rapid decarbonization and stop ecological breakdown while improving social outcomes. Let me be very clear with you folks. Social outcomes is not to your benefit whatever they mean by that i would just read it as communism because it's going to be starvation I, I honestly i don't even know what they're getting at with social outcomes but like if you're going to decrease gdp growth which by the way is not some just nebulous figure it's it's about productivity it's about the output of your economy i mean yes it's it's uh, an extrapolation or or some sort of extraction of of what your economy is producing, but the production is what matters, because the production are goods which ultimately benefits humanity. We wouldn't be acquiring these goods for the most part if it didn't benefit our lives, because we wouldn't be spending the money on it, because we live in a free market. It frees up energy and materials for low and middle income countries in which growth might still be needed for development. Degrowth is a purposeful strategy to stabilize economies and achieve social and ecological goals unlike recession, which is chaotic and socially destabilizing and occurs when growth-dependent economies fail to grow." Incredible. So degrowth is a purposeful strategy, which somehow makes it not like a recession, which is chaotic and socially destabilizing. You can just degrow an economy as long as it's a decision that you've made. And then when people are poorer and have less food and are have can't get housing, <clears throat> They won't be as upset because it's a decision that you've made. You're crazy. Continuing on. Reports this year by the Intergovernmental Panel on Climate Change, the IPCC, and the Intergovernmental Science Policy Platform on Biodiversity and Ecosystem Services, IPBES, uh, suggest that degrowth policies should be considered in the fight against climate breakdown and biodiversity loss, respectively. Policies to support such a strategy include the following. Reduce less necessary production. Who decides what's less necessary? Well, obviously, we do. Because we're gods. This means scaling down destructive sectors such as fossil fuels. Oh, there we go. No problem there. They also don't want to have any fucking nuclear power. But they're going to reduce fossil fuels and just expect you to not freeze in the winter. I'm sure it's going to work out great. Uh such as fossil fuels, mass-produced meat and dairy, oh, no meat and dairy, just bugs for you, fast fashion, don't know what that means, advertising, cars and aviation, including private jets, oh, well, then maybe you should stop flying to Davos every year and lecturing us after you get off your private jet, huh? Maybe? No? Okay. At the same time, there is a need to end the planned obsolescence of products, lengthen their lifespans, and reduce the purchasing power of the rich. Lengthen their lifespans? What the fuck? Why would, you, why would you reduce the purchasing power of the rich? What does that even mean? You just mean make them poorer? Make them less rich? Okay, improve public services. It is necessary to ensure universal access to high quality healthcare, education, housing, transportation, internet, renewable energy, and nutri- nutritious food. Universal public services can deliver strong social outcomes without high levels of resource use. How is that possible? Who the fuck knows? How can you provide all of this and, and describe all of this as universal access to healthcare, education, housing, transportation? All of those things are material goods that are actually require the labor of others. So you're describing communism. You're describing communism. Say what you mean. Call it what it is. It's very frustrating when you fucking obfuscate. Introduce a green jobs guarantee. This would train and mobilize labor around urgent social and ecological objectives, such as installing renewables, insulating buildings, regenerating ecosystems, and improving social care. A program of this type would end unemployment and ensure a just transition out of jobs for workers in declining industries or sunset sectors, such as those contingent on fossil fuels. It could be paired with a universal income policy. Oh, UBI. Cool. UBI, and it'll get rid of unemployment entirely. So you have... Again, communism. Oh, wow. Fucking genius ideas here. Reduce working time. This could be achieved by lowering the retirement age, encouraging part-time workers or adopting a four-day work week. These measures would lower carbon emissions and free people to engage in care and other welfare-improving activities. They would also stabilize employment as less necessary production declines. Yeah, there'd be no, no deleterious consequences from that decision. Certainly. Enable sustainable development. This requires canceling unfair and unpayable debts of low and middle income countries. Oh, we just got to cancel debts. That won't create any sort of economic dislocations. Curbing unequal exchange in international trade and creating conditions for productive capacity to be reoriented towards achieving social objectives. So you're going to. You're going to curb unequal exchange in international trade. So you're going to have a globalist government to be able to dictate the entire economy on Earth. Because that's what I'm reading into that uh, Creating conditions for productive capacity To be reoriented towards achieving social objectives Again, what social objectives are I would imagine is People that look like me And are heterosexual Obviously need to be doing less good Because uh, that's somehow makes our social lives better some countries regions and cities have already introduced elements of these policies many european nations guarantee free health care and education vienna and singapore are renowned for high quality public housing (sighs) and nearly 100 cities worldwide offer free public transport job guarantee schemes have been used by many nations in the past i'm glad you called it schemes and experiments with basic incomes and shorter working hours are underway in finland sweden and and new zealand but implementing a more comprehensive strategy of degrowth in a safe and just way faces five key research challenges, as we outline here. Let's—I'm sure they've—they've they've laid out all of the problems with communism. Uh, you could just put a picture of Mao, and we could be like, "I got it. Not going to work." Remove dependencies on growth. Economies today depend on growth in several ways. Welfare is often funded by tax revenues. Private pensions provided providers. Rely on stock market growth for financial returns. Firms cite projected growth to attract investors. Researchers need to identify and address such growth dependencies on a sector-by-sector basis. Uh, I'm going to skip ahead. but These model- models typically focus on a single country and fail to take into account cross-border dynamics such as movements of capital and currency. For example, if markets are spooked by low growth in one country, some companies might move their capital overseas. Yeah, no shit, because that's where the opportunity would be. Which could adversely affect the original country's currency and increase borrowing costs as it should because their economy is going to be shrinking by your psychotic dictates conditions such as these pro- uh, pose severe financial problems for Argentina in 2001 and Greece in 2010 international cooperation for tighter border control of capital movements needs to be considered and the effects modeled. Oh! So you're just going to dictate capital moving across borders to prevent capital flight to nations that aren't going along with your psychotic plans. Wow. What a, what a modest proposal. What a totally reasonable conceptual framework that won't result in absolute chaos, death, destruction, war, poverty, starvation, and all sorts of deleterious consequences of your lunatic decision-making processes. You're crazy people. I don't like you, to put it bluntly. Fund public services. New forms of financing will be needed to fund public services without growth. (laughs) Governments must stop subsidies for fossil fuel extraction, but they're going to get money elsewhere. I don't know how. Printing press, I'd imagine. No, let's hear it. Let's read on. They should tax ecologically damaging industries such as air travel and meat production. Cool. No fucking meat and no flying. Let's see how the economy handles that. Let's see how the people handle it. Let's see how our brain development works with less meat well, we have bugs to eat it'll be perfectly fine everyone will be happy with it obviously let's continue on wealth taxes can also be used to increase public resources and reduce inequality oh thank god all you have to do is tax the wealthy and everything will be fixed even though you could take all of the wealth from the one the you know richest people in america and you couldn't even fund our fucking government for like six months out of the year you could just take it all and by the way once you take it and you spend it, it is gone it, it's gone you, you lit it on fire governments that issue their own currency can use this power to finance social and ecological objectives borrow print inflate awesome no problem there this approach was used to bail out banks after the global financial crisis of 0708 and to pay the uh, for fur- furlough schemes in hospitals during the COVID-19 pandemic. Awesome. The two biggest crises in my lifetime which have ultimately destroyed the economy and created terrible inflationary pressures, you are proposing that as a solution to your psychotic plans to decrease economic growth. You're fucking crazy. You're crazy inflationary risks must be managed oh well thank you for acknowledging that if increased demand outstrips the productive capacity of the economy well it will earmarking currency for public services reduces cost of living inflation because you're going to give me a fucking bus you're going to give me a bus pass and everything's going to be all right but a degrowth strategy can also reduce demand for material goods, for example, through progressive taxation, by encouraging shared and collaborative consumption, incentivizing renovation and repair, and supporting community-based services. Cool. So I have to share uh, not just a vehicle, but also everything in my life with my neighbors? Because that's you're going to incentivize that with a pro- progressive taxation policy? Fuck you. I don't want to do this. I don't know anybody that wants to do this. You're crazy. If I wanted to do it, I'd already be doing it. I hate you, you technocratic lunatics. Another risk is that when states or central banks issue currency, it can increase the service payments on government debt. Yeah, no shit. Research suggests that managing this risk requires careful coordination of fiscal policy, how much government taxes and spends, And monetary policy how price stability is maintained as if those two things are disjointed which they're not modeling and empirical research is needed to shed light on the pros and cons of innovative monetary policy mechanisms mmt such as tiered reserve systems which reduces the interest rate on government debt oh you're just gonna you know dictate what the interest rate will be and everything will be fine as if the economy uh is just this little isolated thing that you can manipulate and you know just program it it just works You just have to have someone that's smart enough to program it properly nothing wrong there certainly won't backfire manage working time reductions trials of shorter working hours have generally reported positive outcomes these include less stress and burnout better sleep among employees while maintaining productivity this one's boring i'm gonna move past it i'm taking too much time on this anyways reshape provisioning systems no country currently meets the basic needs of its residents sustainability or of its residents sustainably Affluent economies use more than their fair share of resources. Fair share. Get the fuck out of here. What is a fair share? My fair share of your income is all of it. Okay? I get all of it. You get nothing. Is that fair? I say it is. Oh, you have a different opinion? Don't care. Doesn't matter. Because I don't agree with your opinion. You don't agree with mine. Why does yours win out? There is no such fucking thing as a fair share. You idiots! That's why we have a free market, so we can actually decide based off of our own decision-making processes who we want to send our cash to for their goods, ideas, services, whatever. I fuck. Oh, mm. Whereas, lower-income countries are likely to need to use more. Researchers need to study how provisioning systems systems link resources use with social outcomes for both physical systems, infrastructure and technology, and social ones, government and markets. These people are so disconnected from reality, it's incredible. Bottom-up studies suggest that better provisioning systems could deliver decent living standards with much less energy use than is required today. Oh, well, I'm glad you scientists in your lab uh, have evaluated economic models and and decided that this could be done better. You don't know anything, anything about economics. This is nature.com. What a disaster. Researchers need to reconcile these approaches and consider resources besides energy, including materials, land, and water. They need to examine the provisioning system for housing, transportation, communication, healthcare, education, and food. What social institutional change would improve provisioning? What provisioning? Communism. You're gonna, oh, you know what this is. It's just so crazy to me that I live in a time where nature.com puts out some bullshit like this that is just advocating openly without calling it what it is, which is communism. You believe in communism. Technocratic communism. Terrible, evil, dangerous people. <sighs> Political feasibility and opposition. Hi, that's me. Opposition declaring definitively, none of this is feasible, I will not accept it. Growth is often treated as an arbiter of political success. Few leaders dare to challenge GDP growth, but public attitudes are changing because we have control of the children's minds through public education. That's what they should have said, they didn't. Uh, Continuing, polls in Europe show that the majority of people prioritize well-being and ecological objectives over growth. I don't give a fuck what Europeans think. Polls in the United States and the UK show support for job guarantees and working time uh, reductions. Yeah, people want to work less and not have to risk being fired ever. Yeah, I'm sure if you poll them about that, they go, yeah, that sounds good. Uh, The large numbers of workers who have left their jobs in movements such as the U.S. Great Resignation or the lying flat protest groups in China show there is demand for shorter working hours and more humane and meaningful work. No, you broke people's spirits through lockdowns in 2020, actually. Nonetheless, political parties that have put forward degrowth ideas have received limited support in elections. Good. That begs the question, where would the drive for degrowth policy come from? Social movements and cultural change brewing below the surface often precede and catalyze political transformation. Social, sh- social scientists should examine four areas. First, they need to identify changing attitudes and practices using polls and focus groups. Second. They should learn from sustainable transition towns, cooperatives, co housing projects, or other social formations that prioritize post growth modes of living. The experiences of countries that have had to adapt to low growth conditions, such as Cuba after the fall of the Soviet Union and Japan, also hold lessons. <laughs> uh. Third, researchers should study political movements that are aligned with degrowth values from La Via Campesina, I'd imagine communist, the international peasants movement that advocates food sovereignty and agroecological methods to the municipalist and communalist, there we go, movements and governments in progressive cities such as Barcelona or Zagreb, which promote policies favoring social justice and the commons. I don't like communism at all it's so offensive to me better understanding is needed of the obstacles faced by governments that have ecological ambitions such as those elected this year in chile and colombia fourth a better grasp is needed of the political and economic interests that might oppose or support degrowth for example how do groups such as the think tanks corporations lobbyists and political parties that work to support elite interests organized nationally and internationally to upper progressive economic and social policy? The role of the media in shaping pro-growth attitudes remains underexplored. We just have to propagandize you idiots harder. That's what that says right there. Given the links between economic growth and geopolitical power, individual nations might be disinclined to act alone. For fear of facing competitive disadvantage capital flight or international isolation this first mover problem raises the question of whether and under what conditions high-income countries might cooperate towards a degrowth transition and the answer to that is we have to have a global government or some sort of global framework to prevent any nation from dissenting because if we don't all go along with this then everyone will flee to the nations that don't do this because it's suicidal Global. Communism. Danger. Will Robinson. What next? Government action is crucial. This is a challenge because those in power have ideologies rooted in mainstream neoclassical economics and tend to have limited exposure to researchers who explore economics from other angles. Political space will be needed to debate and understand alternatives and to develop policy responses. Forums working on this include the Well-Being Economy Alliance, blah, 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 who cares. Strong social movements are necessary. Forms of decision-making that are decentralized, small-scale, and direct, such as citizens' assemblies, would help to highlight public views about more equitable economies. I don't give a fuck what your little social movements have to say about it. The free market is superior. And I'm not just saying that. It's empirically true. You can look at any economic model and just go... How did that country do with this? How did that country do with that? Oh, starvation and genocide. Oh, most successful, prosperous nation in the history of the world, despite ultimately being kind of a socialistic, fascistic framework in America, still superior to all of the technocratic top-down approaches that you've ever described. Does it matter? Does it matter that empirically I have all of the evidence on my side and you have zero evidence on your side that is to the benefit of people? That Does it matter that the, the poorest people in America are actually far better off than some of the middle class in other nations does that matter to you at all No, no. none of this matters because your ideologues disconnected from reality you have zero understanding of economics you have zero understanding of business or entrepreneurialism or what capitalism actually does or how it functions instead you turn to the government when the government is the reason that capitalism is failing the reason that the capitalist model is in such jeopardy right now is because it's so deeply embedded with the government Essentially fascistic (sighs) So fucking frustrating A March 2022 editorial in this journal argued that it is time to move beyond a limits to growth versus green growth debate We agree In our view, the question is no longer whether growth will run into limits But rather how we can enable societies to prosper without growth To ensure a just and ecological future Let's pave the way Man, The authors declare no competing interests Yeah Because you've spent your entire lives in academia I can smell it all over you Jason Hickel, George Scalise, Tim Jackson All these It's written by like 8 people Jesus Christ 8 people put their brains together and came up with that dog shit You gotta be fucking kidding me You fucking idiots If these people are put in charge You will starve Okay Like that's Those are the stakes. Those are the stakes. These people have no understanding of what it requires to actually deliver goods to people. The whole reason capitalism and the economy functions at all is because of human self-interest. It's a very unpopular thing to say to a socialist or a communist, but it's the truth. The reason we work so hard in America is because we actually receive the benefits of our labor. That's the truth. All of this altruistic nonsense. It doesn't work. Okay? It doesn't work when you just say, you have to work just as hard as you did when you were trying to get that promotion. You have to work just as hard and you're going to get less and you're going to love it and you're going to like it and you're not going to shut up about it. You're going to work less hard. You have nothing to strive towards. Correct? Human nature. Communism, at its base, is disconnected from human nature. When you go against human nature, you create dislocations which result in ruin. We have 100 plus years of evidence of this. How much more do you need to see? I know I'm speaking to my audience, I'm preaching to the choir here, you guys are already totally privy to all this, but it drives me crazy that these ideas, despite... The, the mountain of skulls That you have to fucking You have to summit To get to the other to, to the peak of their bullshit So you can fucking see what I'm saying You have to get over skulls of dead bodies Just to see the truth on the other end Of the chasm The communist chasm You have to, you have to summit that And then you can actually look across And you can go Oh, there's free market over there There's food over there I'm starving. These people are so fucking dangerous and stupid. So dangerous and stupid. And speaking of dangerous and stupid, oh, you're going to love this rant. (laughs) I found this thread by Judd Legume. (laughs) Man made of beans. The unemployment rate is 3.5%. The U.S. has added an average of 312,000 jobs every month for the last year. Oh, by the way, he's an independent newsletter, popular information writer. Uh, GDP growth has been 2% or higher for a year. Inflation is down to 3.2%. If the U.S. economy is doing well, why do so many Americans say it's terrible? Because we can't afford fucking groceries, Judd, made of beans legume. But an August survey by Quinnipiac University found that 71% of Americans describe the economy as not so good or poor. Oh, because they're not disconnected from reality. Just 3% say the economy is excellent. What explains this discrepancy? I don't know, Judd Lagoom, Did you poll it to figure it out? I hope you did. One factor is partisanship. More people today will rate the economy as poor if they don't like the person in the White House, regardless of economic conditions. So with Biden in the White House, a lot of Republicans are going to say that the economy is bad no matter what. But only 45% of Americans lean Republican. So partisanship is not the only factor. You don't say, Judd made of beans. Another factor, millions of Americans are mired in low-paying jobs. Oh, it's just that they don't get paid well enough. It's not the inflation. Okay, watching the fruits of their labor get funneled to wealthy CEOs and investors. Yeah, that's, that's the reason. A new report by IPSDC looks the 100 public companies with the lowest wages. The report found of these companies, a group that includes the nation's largest employers, CEO pay average 15.3 million and median worker pay average 31,000. That's a ratio of 603 to one. Judd, the difference between what the CEO makes and the employee makes doesn't actually change the fact that they can't afford groceries now, does it? Because just the CEO's pay doesn't really matter. Because there's not a fixed pie. But your fallacious reasoning would lead the reader here to believe otherwise. For example, at Dollar Tree, a company that employs 200,000 people, the median wage is $14,700, but his CEO, Michael Winnitsky, made $13.98 million. That's a ratio of almost thousand to one. Over the last three years, the median wage of a Dollar Tree employee decreased by 4.4%. Well, hey, Judd made of beans, it's a fucking minimum wage job where they sell dollar items. It doesn't require any real fucking skill set. Do you think that they should be making a crazy living to do that job? Shouldn't it be a starting job for someone that's fresh out of high school as opposed to a career path? Yeah, yeah, I think so. God, I hope Judd Lagoon makes less less than uh, minimum wage. It's not hard to see how Dollar Tree employees would have a negative view of the economy. Oh, that's why, that's why. Because the CEO makes too much. Not because their fifteen thousand dollars doesn't buy them fucking a half a pound of ground beef at the grocery store. It's not hard to see. Oh, excuse me. And Dollar Tree is not an aberration. Millions of other workers face similar circumstances. The company with the highest CEO to employee rate pay ratio is Live Nation. The parent company of Ticketmaster. In 2022 CEO Michael Rapino made 139 million, while the median Live Nation employee was paid 20, 26,000. Ratio of 5400 to one. Well, oh, good for that CEO. I can't I can't believe like Jesus Christ. That's it. That's all he does. That's his entire fucking explanation. I only read half of it before, so I didn't know where he was gonna go with it. What a what an absolute disaster. The entire, your entire explanation for why people think that this economy sucks is because the CEOs make more than the employees. That's the that's the deep dive explanation from Judd Made of Beans. How fucking crazy is that? These are the people that that purport to be informing an audience about anything? No. How about you fucking step into the real world, go to the grocery store, go fill up a tank of gas, go buy some clothes, and then go, Oh, this is why this economy sucks. Because I've been working fucking really hard for a really long time, saving, investing, doing all this stuff, and it sucks out here it's hard to fucking live man oh my rent payment is forty-five hundred dollars or something crazy i mean most people it's probably less 2500 but these are astronomical prices so yeah our income hasn't kept up with the rate of inflation that dear made of beans is the reason that people think this economy sucks because they're right because this economy sucks doesn't take a fucking rocket scientists you jackaninny, you, you dork, you! All right, let's hear a little uh, breakdown on a lady who's talking about exactly what I just described.
9: It's going to go back to where you can work and support your family without fucking stressing out. Seriously, my bills alone are three thousand dollars a month. I'm a single mom who receives fucking like three hundred dollars a month in child support for two kids. I can't do this anymore. I work every single day. I get maybe a day off. Sometimes if I'm lucky, I'll get two fucking days off. I'm sick of it. I'm so sick of this. And I fucking forgot to pay my daughter's braces. And now I have to bring her in for them to remove them because I can't afford to pay it all off at once. I am so sick of this country. I'm so sick of how expensive everything fucking is. Something needs to happen. Where I live, rent is insane. A two bedroom is fucking two grand. I can't go to the grocery store and get a week's worth of fucking groceries without spending 300, $400. Gas alone, almost $4 a gallon. I have to drive all over my town for my job because I clean houses. I'm so sick of it. Something needs to be done. Something.
1: See, Mr. Beans, um that's why. Okay? If you actually listen to the people, if you're an actual human being that functions in America, which I assume you are but you don't seem to be, that's it. That's all it is. People are struggling because the cost of living is outpacing their income growth. That's really fucking simple. Now, the complex answer is that it's because of inflation and it's because of the printing and spending and borrowing that the federal government has done very aggressively from 2020 on, but really my entire life. And it is making it harder and harder for the average person to get by, to save and invest at all. They can't. They are scraping by to the point that she has to get her daughter's braces removed. It's terrible. It's very, very sad. And you can't just like, did she mention the CEO of her company's pay in that rant? Oh, stunning, Mr. Beans. She didn't. She didn't mention that at all because it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. And you can only lie to the people for so long. You can only obfuscate the reality of their situation with inflation's transitory and, oh, it's all the Russians' fault and blah, blah, blah. At the end of the day, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter how much you lie to the people. If they can't afford to fucking live, they're going to revolt. And when they do, I hope they remember who lied to them and who told them the truth. The truth is that they are being taken advantage of, but it ain't from their CEOs particularly. It's from the unelected, evil bureaucrats that have inflated away their currency and ultimately their life savings and their way of life. Those are the people that are responsible for this. And the political class that you run cover for and the journalists that run that cover, yeah, you're all culpable. And maybe you don't even know. Maybe you don't understand economics at all. And this is genuine ignorance. Doesn't matter. Reality has a way of cutting through the lies, and people will wake up, and when they do, good luck. Speaking of economic misinformation, I've been very kind to RFK Jr., so any of the RFK fans out there, don't give me shit, okay? But look, this dude is not right here. Let's listen to it.
5: How can our kids or the typical American homeowner win a bidding war with BlackRock? By 2030, these giant corporations are on track to own 60% of the single-family homes in our country. So BlackRock wants to be everybody's landlord and everybody's neighbor, but I'm not going to let that happen. When I get to the White House, I'm going to restore affordable home ownership to every American, and I'm going to do that without raising the national debt. And here's how I'm going to accomplish that feat. I'm going to create a federal program that backs mortgages at 3% financed by tax-free bonds. These mortgages are going to be available to people only, not corporations. This will drop mortgage payments by more than $1,000 a month for a medium-priced home and allow your children to outcompete BlackRock in the market. So here's how it works. Imagine that you had a rich uncle who was willing to co-sign your mortgage. Well, I'm going to make Uncle Sam that rich uncle. It's not a giveaway, it's a loan guarantee that makes that property affordable to millions of Americans who cannot now afford it. This is just one of the policies that the Kennedy administration will deploy to create millions of new home buying opportunities at payments of less than $1,000 a month. We're also going to change the tax code to get corporations out of the single-family home market. And we're going to work with municipalities to get empty lots and derelict homes back into circulation at low prices. As President of the United States, I'm going to create a housing boom in this country the same way that we did it after World War II when we made home ownership affordable for working people.
1: Oh, that's so bad. That's so, so bad. If you're hearing it and you're saying, that sounds good, why are you saying it's bad? Well, let me explain. Number one, the, the housing boom that he's talking about after World War II is largely because of VA and GI Bill loans, like loan guarantees. So, but you were starting from a place of very, very low prices. We're starting at a place of record high prices, you understand? So, that means that starting a starter home is what, $400,000 or something crazy nationally? Maybe it's 350. I don't know. If you guarantee the mortgage rate for individuals to go buy them, even if you find some sort of tax code mechanism to force BlackRock, State Street, all these big money managers out of the housing market, which that's less of my concern than what the bubble that you're describing. We're going to create a housing boom. From a booming price level, you're going to create a housing boom. Do I have to explain why that's bad? Do I have to explain why that's dangerous and completely misguided? that we don't have enough inventory as it is. You're 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 going to now artificially, once again, reduce the interest rate, which increases the purchasing power of the consumer, which then means that everybody that owns those houses today is ultimately the people that benefit from that loan guarantee. You are making the wealthy, the people who already own houses, wealthier by your decision-making, by your policy proposal. You are benefiting those that already have at the detriment of those that have not. Not a great idea. You're going to create from a bubble level, which is where we're at today with $400 plus thousand dollar average house pricing. You're going to propel that into the stratosphere and have starter homes that are five or six or seven hundred thousand dollars because you will have forever more, based off of this policy, guaranteed. 3% mortgages? Just some arbitrary figure that you fucking pulled out of a hat. It's stupid. It's the exact same it's the exact same conceptual framework that was utilized in the 04 through 07 period where they were trying to get people into homes, like the the whole idea of like everyone deserves to own a home. No, no, no. No one deserves anything, actually. Once you have worked hard enough and saved and invested, you have the ability to then go purchase a home that's where you might actually find a a real market a real market equilibrium where the supply meets the demand and you don't have this boom-bust cycle what rfk's policy proposal would do would launch launch another bubble from bubble levels super super dangerous oh and might i add that he was on the breakfast club and he said that part of his proposal would that the first people in line to get those loan guarantees would be school teachers oh hooray the people that are responsible for indoctrinating your children the ones that have been making them completely crazy with mass mandates and gender uh, and progressive uh you know sexual ideology let's make sure that they are the ones to benefit first and foremost from this housing program awesome plan bobby terrible terrible so disappointing um I'm sure many of you, not I don't know if many of you, some of you will certainly disagree. Go ahead and comment down below. Tell me why I'm wrong. Tell me why this won't create a bubble that ultimately benefits the haves at the detriment of the have-nots, because this seems clearly like a technocratic approach to the economy that will create a catastrophic bubble that will ultimately implode eventually and destroy. Oh, you know what? How about this? I'll just lay it out very, very quickly. What you actually ought to do to remedy this, cut the red tape make it so that developers are actually capable of going out and building. Go back to a sound money system, where you can actually not have to worry about inflation or deflation, based off of the arbitrary dictates of the Federal Reserve Board. So that then developers, people that are in the real estate industry, can actually decide on projects without having to worry about Fed policy shifting with the wind based off of, uh, you know, things that are out of their control. Allow the market to actually find an equilibrium for once. As opposed to having these inventory levels that are around a million housing units when it ought to be or needs to be closer to 2 million for the prices to stop rising. But it won't because you guys printed and shoved so much into the system and now people don't want to sell because they locked in a 3% mortgage and now the mortgage rate sits at 7% and they're not going to move. So Bobby's idea is essentially to lower rates again genius just ingenious solutions here so you have to end the Federal Reserve go back to sound money and then cut the red tape so that developers can actually build that's your answer but no one's gonna listen to me so prepare for another bubble if Bobby gets elected Ugh, Ugh. so frustrating you guys remember in 2012 when it was a showdown between Ron Paul and Mitt Romney let's check in on Mitt. see how he's doing see if he's pulled his head out of his ass oh no he hasn't
7: the single most important thing we can do to strengthen ourselves relative to China is to is to see Russia defeated in Ukraine because their allies and uh, and Russia being weakened weakens their ally China
1: does it matter that China and Russia weren't allies until two years ago and that the invasion into Ukraine and their decision to become allies with China at all was a product of U.S. State Department involve, involvement in Ukraine? Of course it doesn't, since Mitt's been profiting off of the Ukraine grift for quite some time.
7: I mean, so, uh, and, and by the way, uh, being able to, to take an amount which equals, what, about 5% of our military budget? About, actually, less than 5% of our military budget each year to help the Ukrainians is about, about the best national defense spending I think we've ever done. We're losing no lives in Ukraine.
1: (laughs) Hundreds of thousands of people are dying. But there's no Americans dying, so I guess it doesn't matter at all. It's the best money we've ever spent, quote, Mitt Romney. Because it's less than 5% of our military budget. Hooray, Mitt! Hooray! Hundreds of thousands of dead awesome news you monstrous human being
7: and the ukrainians are fighting heroically against russia that has 1500 nuclear weapons aimed at us it's like so we are we're uh diminishing and devastating the russian military uh for a a very small amount of money relative to what we spend in the rest of defense a weakened russia is a good thing it tells it tells china to rethink uh, their uh, territorial ambition uh it tells Russia, perhaps, most importantly, that the, the Putin vision of, uh, of reestablishing the, the Russian empire and, and grabbing the old former Soviet republics, that that's not something that's going to work. It is very much in, in America's national interest, in our national interest, to help Ukraine. And the best thing we can do for America is to see people who have nuclear weapons aimed at us getting weaker.
1: God, I hate this guy. I can't fucking believe that America had the choice between Ron Paul and this fucking lunatic. And they're like, let's go with Mitt. Let's go with this fucking magic underwear wearing idiot. This fucking criminal. Greatest politician in American history, certainly in my lifetime. Ron fucking Paul, a baby doctor for God's sakes. An honorable human being, not corrupt to any extent. And they're like... Mitt Romney. Fuck the GOP, man. I know it wasn't the voters for the most part. I know that that system was rigged back then, but damn, dude. Damn it. Damn it that this fucking scumbag is the guy who we had to choose from. When Ron Paul was that close and he was winning straw poll after straw poll and fucking Mitt Romney. Sorry to get so passionate about it, but it's just like, can you imagine how different we, like how different, different this country is today if Ron Paul had got in fuck sad man so sad Um, but I mean is there anything that he said there that's true like none of it okay so you weaken Russia they have 1500 nukes pointed at us not to mention 6,000 nuclear weapons total okay you weaken them then what Mitt then what what do they do you're just going to abuse them and, and hope that they don't fire a nuke at some point why why do you have to weaken them why why does ukraine matter so much that we're willing to risk nuclear holocaust why d- d- just explain it explain why it's worth that risk why does the why does who who controls the eastern portion of ukraine we're not even talking all of ukraine but just the eastern portion just crimea and like the Donbass region why why should we risk all of that why should we set, spend 5% of our military uh, expenditure on that. Why? Their alliance with China. You just totally dismiss the fact that that exists because of U.S. policy. They didn't want to be in alliance with the CCP. They did not. Vladimir Putin, very famously in the 2000s, was saying, we are European. We want to be aligned with Europe. We don't want to be aligned with China. Y'all chose not to have that be the case. You wanted Russia to be in alliance with China. And now they are. And now BRICS is creating a currency to try and undermine the U.S. dollars reserve currency status in global trade. All of this is consequences of your decision making, your advocacy, your policies. All of the things that you're saying that we're now, we have to do this for, to prevent, is a product of your prior shit decisions. It's all on you guys. None of this would be happening. Putin wanted to be tight with Europe. That's all he wanted. But you couldn't have that because you knew that Europe, an alliance with Russia and their natural resources, would create a real competitor to America. So instead of just saying, OK, you guys go ahead and do what you're going to do and we're going to outcompete you because we're still the freest country in the world, we decided to become China. We decided to have a more technocratic approach to our economic outlook and, and, uh, and regulatory model. And then we decided to print and spend and borrow into oblivion. So now we have to risk war in this Thucydides trap against China and Russia for what? Just so this criminal political class could scrape more of the foam off of our economic output. That's really what it was, because it didn't have to happen. We could have out-competed these motherfuckers. We're the most innovative, industrious, productive people on Earth. Not because we're particularly unique and special, but because that was our mental framework. That was the model by which we functioned. We believed in it. We believed in our efforts being and, and, you know, reaping the rewards of our labor. We believed in that model. We had it better than anybody else. And you just squandered it for nothing. And you decided to opt to go to a technocratic, surveillance state, CCP-styled model in which case, we are no longer superior to them. We aren't anymore. Or if we are, it's, by, it's on the margins. That is what we have to remedy. That prevents us from having to risk wars to dictate borders 6,000 miles away. That is what allows us to not sacrifice our way of living, our way of life, to work on this, whatever they call it, Liberal world order. It's all fucking propaganda lies. I'm so sick of it. I can't believe we could have had Ron Paul over that idiot. All right. Sorry. I know I'm going long, but there's a couple more things I got to cover with you. This one is just too wild not to cover, and it's very brief. The Defense Post, USS OCOM. USSOCOM com to use ai to detect disinformation threats on social media the u.s special operations command has contracted new york-based accrete ai to deploy software that detects real-time disinformation threats on social media how the fuck does ai know what is disinformation in real time well it can't possibly but Let's give it a go anyways. The company's Argus Anomaly Detection AI software analyzes social media data, accurately capturing emerging, emerging narratives and generating intelligence reports for military forces, military forces to speedily neutralize disinformation threats. How do they intend to speedily neutralize these disinformation threats? I don't know. Sounds scary though. Synthetic media, including AI-generated viral narratives, deepfakes, and other harmful social media-based applications of AI pose a serious threat to U.S. national security and civil society, Accrete founder and CEO Prashant Bouyan said. Social media is widely recognized as an unregulated environment where adversaries routinely exploit reasoning vulnerabilities and manipulate behavior through the intentional spread of disinformation. Unfortunately for us, sometimes that disinformation happens to be the truth, as we found out during the COVID era. USSOCOM is at the tip of the spear in recognizing the critical need to identify and analytically predict social media narratives at an embryonic stage before those narratives evolve and gain traction. Accrete is proud to support USSOCOM's mission. The U.S. Department of Defense first partnered with Crete for the Argus Platform's licensing contract in November 2022 company also revealed that it will launch an enterprise version of Argus Social for disinformation detection later this year. The AI software will provide protection for urgent customer pain points against AI-generated synthetic media such as viral disinformation and deepfakes. Providing this protection requires AI that can automatically learn what is most important to an enterprise and predict the likely social media narratives that will emerge before they influence behavior. Companies are already experiencing significant economic damage caused by the spread of AI-generated viral disinformation and deepfakes manufactured by competitors, disgruntled employees, and other types of adversaries. We believe that the market for AI that can predict and neutralize malign AI-generated synthetic media is about to explode, he added. Yeah, sure it will. Um, Look, I'll say this. If there was AI software that can detect detect AI... Deep fakes I think that there's real value there because I would like to not be fed some speech that is a deep fake AI of Vladimir Putin saying hey we just locked launched nukes uh, and that's not real yeah that'd be great that'd be great if you guys could actually in real time you know let us know that something's a deep fake but when it comes to uh, just news and narratives and uh, you know memes and themes that are starting to take hold in their embryonic stage, and you're going to say, we don't like that one. Suppress. And, and notify the military so that they can go suppress it. That's scary as shit. And I am not good with that. So I just wanted you guys to be aware that that's something they're working on. All right. I'm going to end on one rant and one good news item, and we'll get out of here. Uh, this one is... Pretty, pretty wild. CNN has finally had enough of Anthony Fauci apparently as they're asking him genuine questions. I would hope that if in fact we get to the point where the volume of cases is such
0: and organizations like the CDC recommend, CDC doesn't mandate anything. I mean, recommends that people wear masks. I would hope that they abide by the recommendation and take into account the risk to themselves and to their families. And again, we're not talking There's about forcing anybody to do anything.
1: <laughs> totally understood, there is. I love that he, he really, really hammers the fact that we're not asking, we're not forcing anybody to do anything. Yeah, you, know, you didn't really clarify that much for those three years that you were running this country.
10: There's The perception out there by many, how many I don't know, that they don't work and that the data concludes that they didn't work in the first go round. Respond to that on masks.
0: Yeah, well, that's not so. I mean, when you're talking about at the population level that the data are less strong than knowing that if you look on a situation as an individual protecting themselves or protecting them from spreading it, there's no doubt that masks work. Different studies give different percentages of advantage of wearing it, but there's no doubt that the weight of the studies, and there have been many studies, indicate the benefit of wearing masks. I'm gonna refer to one of them. You've heard about it before. I heard about it from a number of
10: radio callers. Uh, Brett Stevens in the Times talked about Cochrane. Put that on the screen. The most rigorous and comprehensive analysis of scientific studies conducted on the efficacy of masks for reducing the spread of respiratory illness, including COVID-19, was published last month. Its conclusions, said Tom Jefferson, the Oxford epidemiologist, who is the lead author, were unambiguous. There is just no evidence that they, (laughs) masks, make any difference.
0: Yeah, but there are other studies, Michael, that show at an individual level for individual, when you're talking about the effect on the epidemic or the pandemic as a whole, the data are less strong. But when you talk about as an individual basis of someone protecting themselves or protecting themselves from spreading it to others, there's no doubt that there are many studies that show that there is an advantage. When you took at the broad population level like the Cochrane study, the data are less firm with regard to the effect on the overall pandemic but we're not talking about that we're talking about an individual's effect on their own safety that's a bit different than the broad population level
1: god what a what a fraud i just can't believe that this guy was fucking put in charge of like so much of this policy making when it mattered most and he's just such a fraud such a transparent lying, fraudulent, criminal motherfucker. Terrible human being. Absolutely horrifically bad. And speaking of earlier about Donald Trump and whether or not I would just opt for him for the wrecking ball factor, I'll tell you this much, if he runs on prosecuting that dude, it's going to be real hard for me not to support him. That dude needs to fucking seriously see real time behind bars. Just such a bad, bad, bad person. All right, sorry. Sorry. I'm just so glad that they like finally, finally, they're actually going like, "Hey, here's a current study just proving how BS all of the, everything you have to say is." I promise you, I get get you out of here on some good news, and this is some really, really good news, and I did not expect it. So, strap in. Whew, what a headline, New York Post. It's only a matter of time until the ESG movement will R.I.P. Music to my ears. ESG is on its last legs. How do I know this? Consider the actions of BlackRock, the big money manager and one of the initial and fiercest advocates of the ESG investment or investing technique. Last week, the firm, its founder and CEO, Larry Fink, announced something courageous in my view. The company stated emphatically that the ESG movement has gone too far and BlackRock will be part of the solution to prevent its excesses from destroying the US economy. Whoa. As I first reported, BlackRock's missive against ESG came via an announcement that it has scaled back on its support of environmental and social shareholder demands in the proxy process. It voted to approve just 7% of these proposals in the 2023 fiscal year, down from 22% in 22 and 47% in 21. The reason, so many shareholder proposals were overreaching, lacking economic merit, or simply redundant, the firm said proxy or shareholder proposals are voted on during public companies' annual meetings. Over the past decade or so, ESG edicts became embedded into corporate America's ecosystem as big shareholders, BlackRock, but also places like Vanguard and Fidelity, and the shareholder advisory firms like ISS and Glass-Lewis increasingly voted in favor of these mandates that push companies to reduce their carbon footprint or mandate more diversity on corporate boards. Yes, initially the intentions were good until ESG turned into a leftist Leviathan used by, I don't agree that they were ever good, but anyways, uh, (laughs) used by activist groups disguised as committed long-term shareholders, ESG became the mechanism in which the left hammered corporate America into advancing its warped political agenda. Diversity became a euphemism for dogmatic quotas, looking to clean up the environment meant oil companies couldn't drill even when supply dried up. Like what happened after Russia's invasion of Ukraine and inflation raged, ESG also meant corporations had to adopt the most radical visions of America. I'm told that to meet ESG mandates, Budweiser disastrously hired trans woman and activist influencer Dylan Mulvaney, to push Bud Light in those now infamous social media ads. Disney infused leftism and gender politics into its programming, targeting children, In sort of displays retailer Target devised and displayed tuck-friendly swimwear for trans women who hadn't done the surgery yet. Red state rebellion. Then red state officials rebelled, canceling contracts with money managers who pushed ESG inflation soared and ESG didn't help with spiraling gas prices. People stopped watching Disney movies. Sales of Bud Light continued to crater. Target was boycotted and forced to change course along with Bud. Fink himself recently said he would no longer use the term ESG because it carried too much political baggage. Good, you bitch. I don't like him. Losing BlackRock is a particularly big deal in the 30 trillion plus ESG ecosystem because of the company's size. Nine trillion in assets under management, The largest money manager in the world, Fink once seemed hooked on ESG because he really does believe corporations can enact positive change in society. It also brought in lots of business to BlackRock and ESG funds carry higher fees. He's now seen ESG's downside and he is saying enough. To his credit, Fink for at least the past three years has pushed back against the excesses of ESG. Yeah, not really. That's not true at all, actually. Maybe he started a year ago, but... As of 2020 and 21, he was all on board. Don't lie. Don't cover up. I don't know. I don't know why you would. In January of 22, he wrote in his annual letter to investors, any plan that focuses solely on limiting supply and fails to address demand for hydrocarbons will drive up energy prices for those who can least afford it, resulting in greater polarization around climate change and eroding progress. Yeah, yeah, exactly. His sparring with NYC's Loopy leftist Comptroller brand Lander is worth noting. Lander is supposed to be overseeing the pension investments for retired city cops, firefighters, and teachers. Last year, he began pushing Fink to begin divesting all BlackRock's oil company shares. Oh, you got a taste of your own medicine there, didn't you, Larry? BlackRock manages money for the fund, so Lander's threats carried some weight. But Fink told him to pound sand. My sources there tell me blackrock for all its esg talk is the largest global investor in fossil fuels not only would a divestment destroy the stocks of these companies and the pension returns that lander is supposed to be protecting but it would take inflation to dangerous new levels yeah no shit. this is all the stuff that larry was advocating for he's just he's shifting because we shifted because the people woke up to how terribly detrimental this was to their way of life don't do not give this guy an out more recently, BlackRock had begun to use ESG screens more selectively in its actively managed stock funds, and then only inform informatively, people there tell me. It's not a determinative factor in buying its buying a stock for its four point five trillion dollar equity portfolio, the people say. For perspective. BlackRock manages another 4.1 trillion in so-called passive funds that mimic various indexes and have zero ESG components. The remainder, only around 600 billion is heavily influenced by ESG methodology because these funds invest in renewables and other ESG compliant companies. Is this something new? Senior executives there say it's not. BlackRock has always managed money based on clients' needs and desires. Bullshit. Okay, but a financial advisor with close ties to the firm says those ESG screens are used less and less for stock picking outside ESG-specific funds. Great news. Quote, ESG is still popular in Europe, the advisor tells me. For US investors these days, it's mostly window dressing at BlackRock. It's not really used in decision-making anymore. End quote. Amen to that. Indeed. Amen motherfucking to that. You lose, we win. Ha <laughs> ha. I'm just so, I'm so glad. I'm so glad that we're finally getting through uh, this very, very dark period. And I'm not celebrating yet. This is not some fucking victory parade or anything, but I, if you had told me a year and a half ago when I was first, or two years ago when I was first talking about this with you guys, um, that we would be here already, I wouldn't have believed it. Um, so... Cheers kudos to you guys that so many so many people started to to wake up to what this was and speak out about it and uh it shifted very very fast like I'm I'm blown away and not a moment too soon I mean the economic consequences from the ESG period are are with us now they're going to be with us for quite some time you know the UN the Agenda 2030 all of these SDG plans they ain't going away they ain't going away not for a while for sure so Stay vigilant, stay on it, keep hammering them, keep telling them, I'm going to divest. I, honestly, I would withdraw your money from BlackRock uh, investment uh, assistance anyways. Fuck these people. They've already proven to be an enemy of humanity. That's my honest opinion. Like They are an enemy of humanity itself. So whether they've seen the light or not, whether it's sincere or not, irrelevant to me. You already created catastrophic consequences for the people of Earth. I'm not overstating it. You have destroyed many, many lives. Counted, I mean, cost us lives undoubtedly. From uh, what's it, Sri Lanka, there's a bunch of bunch. Of, I mean, just all of the human suffering from inflation because you guys were cutting back on oil and gas production and and closing down farms because it wasn't green and too much nitrogen and all this shit, all this unhuman. Uh, anti-growth, this degrowth nonsense that Nature—I I read you that article from Nature earlier. It's all anti-human. It's all Malthusian, degrowth, communist trash. It's all terrible. So anybody that was a participant, anybody that gave it lip service, and Larry Fink gave it more lip service and advocated more passionately on its behalf than anybody with that amount of power. He was the number one guy. So don't forgive him fucking for a second. Am I appreciative that he's stopping or withdrawing? Sure. Doesn't change the fact. You can't be trusted. You're a dangerous human being. Super dangerous. And I would argue evil, ultimately. So, I don't know how I managed to turn good news into a rant, but I did it. I did it for you. Uh, I hope you guys enjoyed the show. Please do leave a comment. Please uh, hit that like button before you get out of here. And make sure you subscribe, too, because we're pushing. Did like a 1,000 new subscribers over the past month. I really appreciate it. And uh, I hope you guys are sharing the show with friends. And as I've been saying repeatedly, if you enjoy the show, share it around. Clip it. Post it on TikTok. I'm too old. I can't figure it out. Post it on YouTube shorts. Just like clip it. Just clip clip one of my rants and just throw it out there. See what happens. I appreciate when you do. Uh, last but not least, if you want to pick up some new Liberty Lockdown shirt with that logo or this logo, uh, go to TopLobster.com and, and grab you one. I love it when I go to events or speaking events and I, I see people rocking it. It's like, whoa, you're real, because <laughs> for me, I can't, I don't, I don't know, I don't know that you're actually real until I see you, and I'm like, oh, you are real, cool. Uh, thank you guys as always, and uh, LibertyLockdownLocals.com or X.com become a subscriber and I'll follow you back. Peace. Welcome to Liberty Lockdown. Please scan your
2: barcode. Liberty ain't gone, but yeah, it's on hold. Where did it come from? And where did it?